This is unprecedented in the history of theatrical exhibition. This has never happened to this scale. We're not talking about one market. We're not talking about, you know, a, a regional problem. This is a global issue. Hello, and welcome to the Box Office Podcast from Box Office Pro. My name is Russ Fisher, and I'm here with Daniel Luria from Box Office Pro Magazine. Hello, Daniel. Hey, Russ. How are you today? Well, I'm home. I can't go to the movies, but I'm healthy and my family is healthy. So, you know, I think the balance is pretty good. How about you? Pretty much the same. Yeah, as, as long as we're all healthy, uh, that's the sort of day-by-day situation we're looking at. Exactly. You and I, about a month ago, had put together a whole plan for what the first couple episodes of this podcast were going to be. We were oriented around CinemaCon. We were going to talk about all of what was going on in the spring box office and where the movie business was going to go in 2020. And now, of course, that is completely different because we have a pandemic that has closed theaters in North America, has closed theaters in many countries around the world, and has effectively put the movie business on hold for the foreseeable future. AMC, the largest chain in the U.S., said 8 to 12 weeks. Daniel, what does this all look like to you? Monday was one of the hardest days that I've had in this job for the last seven years. Each of the top 10 circuits, one by one, announced that they would be suspending operations, temporary closures uh, nationwide. And this follows uh, announcements that I'd seen in other countries in the world as they also battled this health crisis that we're seeing. It's a, it's a global pandemic, and it's an issue that's not only affecting the domestic market, but it's been affecting uh, cinemas all over the world. So, well, it was a, a sad day on Monday to report this news. It was important. It was important that these cinemas make that move and made that move uh, willingly and made it for the public good. So at this point, I hate to say it, but I'm... I'm glad that the responsible decisions were taken, and uh, it's just uh, a matter of time of of seeing how this develops and uh, ways that the industry can move forward. I agree completely. I'm in Los Angeles here in New York. I imagine we're both under similar orders to stay at home, if at all possible. You know, there's just no way under these circumstances and with the testing that is available that people can congregate in groups safely and do so with the knowledge that they are not spreading this virus. So there's nothing else we can do but this. I agree completely that this was the correct action, however devastating it may seem from a business perspective right now. Before we get into some of the ramifications of that, I do want to look at where we started. 2019 was a big year for the movie business across the globe, led in part by Disney, which of course also features Marvel and Pixar and Lucasfilm, record box office globally. We had terrific box office domestically. And I want to get your impression of what we were on track to potentially do in 2020 before this hit. As you note, Russ, we were doing uh, rather well on on a global basis in in terms of theatrical box office receipts, right? Uh, We're coming off a $42 billion a year, the highest uh, performing year in the global box office. Domestically, it was the second highest uh, year in revenue with uh, $11.4 billion. But 2020, as we approached, was always going to be a down year. When we entered the year looking at the slate alone, looking at the studio titles lined up, 
we were looking at around 11 billion. You know, worst case scenarios, we, we figured maybe it goes a little bit uh, south of 11 billion, around 10.8, something like that. Obviously, where things stand now, where this year ends up is going to have a massive asterisk next to it uh, in the record books because this is a truly unprecedented situation before us. 10.8 billion sounds pretty good right now. It's a stimulus package, especially for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I think that sets things up really well. We were on track to have a pretty good, maybe not a record year, but a good year. And that has completely changed now. That leads to a couple of big questions. We're in a position where all of the major markets are closed. As we said, there's a good chance that things are not going to be reopened on a full-scale basis until the summer, which is not an official projection. That's just, you know, we're just talking here. But that leads to a couple of things. So one question that I've seen a lot of people ask and which is informed in large part by decisions that some studios have made over the past week is at this point, why don't we just have all movies come out on streaming, period? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, but the follow-up question is, where are studios going to find that $11 billion plus in revenue that they've gotten over the last five years, right? Obviously, this year is a different situation. And some studios, as you note, Russ, have already taken some strategic decisions with how to address the calendar, considering that movies are closed for the foreseeable uh, future. And uh, that's turned into a bit of a musical chairs in terms of uh, studio release dates. You know, one thing I think is interesting is that you get I think that some of the same people that are saying, hey, why doesn't everything just go to streaming now? Also complain that movies get lost on Netflix or that they you know, premiere and kind of go into a void of the Netflix algorithm. And the simple truth is you can't have it both ways. You can't have everything go to streaming and not have some stuff get lost. And the theatrical exhibition is a global business at this point. I think it bears repeating and reminding that... One function of the global box office and of theatrical exhibition is to really elevate titles in people's minds. There's no question that there's a difference between a movie that gets theatrical exhibition and a movie that just goes to Netflix. We're not talking about quality. We're just talking about visibility. And as you imply, that leads directly to that $11 billion that we're looking at from 2019. And that $11 billion is domestic, right? If you look at the at the global numbers that the Motion Picture Association put out from last year, streaming had a fantastic year in 2019. And that's aligned with a very strong record year in global grosses. So when you have a great year in streaming with a lot of people signing up for Netflix and Hulu worldwide, you still have a 7% bump increase in cinema screens around the world. This industry works best when both home entertainment and theatrical work together. And I think that's going to be a special focus point in the industry as we approach the, the weeks coming. Absolutely, because we've seen a number of major titles go to VOD earlier than planned. Uh, Warner Brothers is dropping Birds of Prey. You've got Universal putting The Invisible Man on VOD. Disney is putting Onward, uh, which is a Pixar film that came out on March 6th. Sony's doing Bloodshot. All of these are titles that had a theatrical release, which has been curtailed by the outbreak of this virus. The only big one that seems like an outlier is Universal's decision to put Trolls World Tour on VOD prior to its planned theatrical release. What does that move look like to you? 
Well, I think you brought up two important points there. Uh, the titles whose releases were curtailed by the market being impacted in this way, and a new release that was scheduled to open on April 10th that is now going straight to streaming, right? So those are two different elements of this conversation. I can understand logically the movies that were already out in theaters for two, three weeks. I'm thinking of something like The Invisible Man, even something like Onward, that, hey, you know what? You can't fulfill your theatrical run the way you expected. And you improvise as you go along. You've got that outlet. The market conditions call for it. Okay. The bigger question is, are more studios going to do what Universal did in getting an upcoming theatrical title and just putting it on streaming? I think it's important to note that when Universal made that decision, they only named Trolls or have only named Trolls as the title to do that up to this date, meaning their other big title for movie theaters, F9, the next installment in Fast and the Furious, instead of putting that on streaming as well, and by the way, its release was also impacted by the situation, Universal decided to bench it and basically put it out in theaters next April. They sort of realized that. For a year. Yeah. yeah, they pushed it for a year. And I think that's a great example of studios sort of seeing where this is going, how this is evolving. And I think that's why we've seen major studios like Disney look at a movie like Onward, say, hey, this was already out in theaters for two weeks. Let's take this measure with it. But with a big title like a Mulan or a Black Widow, those are unscheduled right now. I think every major studio has a number of titles that they're just holding back. They haven't put a new date to them yet. And it's very telling that up to this point, no one has followed Universal's lead in putting select titles on streaming and even Universal not putting their entire upcoming slate on streaming. Absolutely. And then you've got a movie like No Time to Die, the the new James Bond movie, which already has bounced between a couple of release dates. Uh, It had landed in April. It was basically going to be the Easter weekend movie, the lone large release for Easter. And that's been pushed to Thanksgiving, which for a lot of people, that fall winter opening makes a lot more sense for James Bond anyway. But it also indicates that, hey, there's not an abandonment of theatrical. There's a recalibration. That's a great way to put it, recalibration. The release calendar, you basically have a set number of weekends each year, and you have to look at your competition in each weekend. Since we don't know for sure when the global box office is going to be open again, a lot of studios are taking a wait-and-see approach rather than just jumping into streaming. Of course, Universal's Trolls is an exception, but I'd call that an exception by title and not an exception by studio. And I think too, it's not even that they don't just want to jump into streaming. A company like Disney doesn't want to plant a new release date for Mulan and then have to move that again. So you've got all of these titles that are off the calendar and it's like, okay, let's wait and see and see how things shake out over the next four weeks. And then I would be willing to bet that we will start to see studios claiming release dates for a bunch of these titles that are currently TBD. That's the minor question, but certainly I think that the other question that I've seen a lot of people float and that I, in my more pessimistic moments, have wondered myself is, are there going to be movie theaters when this is done? How devastating is this for the business overall? You know, that's a question that is asked, I think, every other year since uh, this started being an industry. (laughs) 
but it's a uh, it's an especially uh, difficult question to to tackle now, considering the circumstances. This is unprecedented in the history of theatrical exhibition. This has never happened to this scale. We're not talking about one market. We're not talking about you know a, a regional problem. This is a global issue. We've had you know sort of suspended operations in a couple of markets here and there. I'm thinking of that swine flu epidemic in Mexico in 2009 that also suspended operations in cinemas for two weeks. You had a similar sort of like lockdown in major cities. But really, after a one-month period, audiences ended up flocking back to theaters. Uh, and that was just one market. You know, you've had markets like Puerto Rico face uh, natural disasters like hurricanes that have forcibly closed theaters for extended periods of time. But at the end of that, the market recovers and, you know, you have theaters open in other parts of the world. It's a difficult question right now, but I am completely confident that the theatrical sector is going to recover from this. It's an important part of communities, the same way that local restaurants are. It's an important part of culture worldwide, where in most cities in the world that don't have a major sports team or uh, maybe concert venues or, or other big ticket items like that, it is your one source to go to for affordable premium content week in, week out. I don't see that changing and I don't see the, the demand for that uh, diminishing at all. Of course, we have to take things on a week by week basis as, uh, as we see how this uh, global crisis expands. And I think people, as we've seen for decades, people like doing things together. You know, people want to go out. They want to have an experience that they share with other people. The movies can offer that in a way that is unlike any other entertainment medium. And the fact that it does so affordably is a great bonus. So I think theaters are going to come back. I think what you said about facing economic hurdles is a gigantic point that cannot be overlooked. You know, we're going to have a point where studios have to reset their calendars. Theaters have to reset their calendars. Every studio has a whole catalog of material that can go back into theaters. You know, I'm curious, we've seen China move thanks to the state distribution system. China has moved to put a handful of really popular movies back into theaters to help reopen the business overall and to encourage people to come back out. And I wonder if we might see something similar uh, in North America. I think so. I think there's going to be a very large and organized effort here in the industry to get back on its feet. We're talking about an industry that was stable, that was healthy, that was popular with audiences uh, coming into this year. And if everyone else is like me, I'm already fed up of, uh, of staying at home and watching, uh, and watching streaming all day. I can't wait to get out of the house and, and do other things. And to revive the economy, it's something that we'll all have to sort of pitch in for. Go to our local community businesses, go to that pizza shop down the corner that, uh, that had to close its doors during this crisis and start spending our money for, um, for out-of-home entertainment options. It's, it's not, for me, it's not a matter of if theaters are going to reopen. That's a difficult question. I, I wholly believe they are. The big difficult question that everyone is asking themselves is when is it safe to do so? In lieu of answering that, because of course I don't have an answer, I'm going to ask you another question. What was the last thing you saw in a theater before all this shut everything down? I watched uh, Bacurau from... Um, Clever uh, oh. Mendoza Filho, a fantastic, fantastic Brazilian movie, broke box office records uh, in Brazil last year. 
it has a big uh, Parasite vibe to it, uh, you know, for, for fans that, that wanted to see it. It had just gotten its theatrical re- release here in New York through Kino Lorber. This crisis- Yeah, it was coming to LA shortly. It was opening in LA, I think on the 13th, uh, so last Friday. So Russ, if you still want to see it, uh, there's actually an opportunity for you to do so and still support your local art house cinema that you were probably going to see it at anyway, right? (laughs) Right. So Kino Lorber is uh, actually the distributor of the movie, is launching a new initiative that we're seeing industry-wide, which is a, a sort of like virtual theatrical initiative where they are putting the movies that they were going to release theatrically or they had already released theatrically in their streaming platform. And when viewers go to rent the movie, part of the rental that they can see at home is going to be shared through a rev share with their art house cinema of choice, participating cinema of choice for that title. So if you still want to see Baccarat and support your local art house, you absolutely can do that. And this is a great example of what we were talking about streaming and theatrical, home entertainment and movie theaters working together to find solutions. And I think it's a great initiative that we're seeing from other companies. I'm looking at uh, at a company like a Film Movement doing something similar. There is a cinema advertising company called Spotlight Cinema Networks that's working with uh, Magnolia Pictures and Arthouse Convergence in also releasing films through this virtual theatrical network. And uh, my hope is that more distributors are going to recognize the issue they're in. Of course, they can't put their movies in theaters, but that doesn't mean that they can't get those movies seen and still share the profits with cinemas at a time where that's sorely needed. Yeah, I'm excited by that. I I think what Kino Lorber is doing is a fantastic idea. I really respect that effort. The last thing that I saw was a triple feature at the Egyptian Theater, part of the American Cinematheque in Los Angeles, uh, where I saw Fritz Long's movie M, with two remakes of it, follow, uh, so the original 1931 followed by the 1951 Joseph Losey remake, and then a 1953 uh, version produced in Argentina called The Black Vampire. So a really beautiful package of movies that was part of a whole Hollywood noir little mini festival. And of course, I'm concerned about the continued existence of the Egyptian theater and its sister theater, The Arrow, over in Santa Monica just as I am for all of the other single screen art house theaters. You know, uh, I've been friends with uh, Ned and Ivy who own the Brattle in uh, Harvard Square, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. They had to close their doors. You know, that's a small nonprofit theater that does not have a, a steady and reliable stream of backup income. Some of these theaters like the Brattle and the Coolidge are trying to pay their employees salaries while everything is closed. But it's not easy to do. So I'm looking at what I can do to help those theaters. You know, can I buy a membership? Uh, can I buy gift certificates at theaters? You know, the, the, what, are there other things that you've seen that can help support either smaller theaters or the the business as a whole while we're in this period of closure and uncertainty? You know, we're at the period when we are recording this podcast where the entire week was the bad news that had to happen, right? The doors had to close cinemas had to make those tough decisions. I'm excited about next week where we can talk about what communities can do, what moviegoers can do to support the industry in this time of need. And uh, you mentioned these sort of solidarity efforts that we're seeing. And little by little, we're seeing some examples sort of sprout up. Obviously, and most importantly, the National Association of Theater Owners here in the United States 
has asked Congress to act quickly to give aid to a lot of these businesses that have been affected by closures. And that's not only cinemas, that's also restaurants, that's also barbershops, any sort of small business and out of home entertainment destination, they're going to need our help. And the government uh, is going to have to step in in one way or another. National Association of Theater Owners is, is actively campaigning for that, right? Beyond that, we're seeing some established uh, organizations and some startup organizations start fundraising money. One of them, close to my heart, is one that's been in the industry for decades, the Will Rogers Motion Pictures Pioneers Foundation, which has always been dedicated to helping cinema workers in times of need. I've been tracking their website very closely. I'm looking forward to hearing their uh, detailed plan to tackle this crisis, but I know they're hard at work developing an action plan to address this. Other than that, we're seeing uh, initiatives here in New York, such as the uh, Cinema Workers uh, Solidarity Fund uh, through a GoFundMe page where people are donating. And we've seen other sort of uh, creative uh, ways to tackle this. I'm, I'm looking at a circuit like uh, Imagine, uh, Imagine Entertainment out of Michigan. If you buy a $25 gift card, they'll send you tubs of popcorn that you can snack on while you're stuck at home. So it's a, it's a good sort of way to help these businesses in a time of need. I like that. And I do, you know, I, I think we call this a business all the time. And of course it is, but it's also for, I know both of us and hundreds, probably thousands of other people who are involved. This is a thing to which we've kind of dedicated our lives. You know, this is what we do. And consequently, all of our communities are focused through movies, through movie theaters. And it's really incumbent upon us to try to figure out a way to take care of each other during this time because there's just no easy answer for all of this stuff. You know, so we can say, oh, you know, we, we talk about it as a business, but it really is the community all around us. And so I'm happy to see a lot of these efforts. I'm looking at other ways that I can put my money and my time and my effort out there to support this thing that I really do, you know, believe in passionately. You know, we'll talk about more of that next time as we see what other programs have come up. But certainly in the meantime, if you can support any local theaters that you have and just keep an eye out on, like Daniel said, some of the GoFundMe pages that are out there to support people in the industry because we're all going to need it. Everybody's going to need it going forward. And I'd, I'd love to watch Black Vampire uh, like you did, but unfortunately, Russ, the only Black Vampire in my heart is Blackula. There is no substitution for Blackula. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't argue with you there. That's that's a really fun movie, and uh, it's great. I'm I'm happy that you have that inside you. I'm happy that you have that to fall back on in these difficult times. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, we look forward to profiling some more of these stories of uh, cinemas really working together with their communities to get back going. Uh, oh, and before I forget, you know, I, I have to mention this, Russ, a really cool thing that my uh, colleague Rebecca Pauly just sent me uh, that just hit her news desk. Uh, Cinemon, an, an Estonian movie theater chain, dealing with these closures, they have a, a huge back inventory of concessions that they won't be needing. They're actually donating their entire concessions uh, two different food shelters and emergency organizations in the coming weeks. So I'm also excited to, to chat a little bit about different efforts from cinemas around the world and how they're addressing the, the current crisis at hand. That's a really cool thing. I hadn't even thought about that. I got to admit, 
the idea of concession inventory and what to do with it? Of course, that's a question. And yeah, so thanks for bringing that up. That's, uh, I love it. Well, thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to read the latest industry headlines in the movie theater industry over at boxofficepro.com, where you will also be able to find the latest episodes from this podcast. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, This was great. I appreciate you joining me uh, from the comfort of your home. And uh, to everyone listening, thank you. Please subscribe to our show. Please share it if you like it. Please don't say anything to anyone if you don't, except to us. Your feedback is very helpful, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, You can find us on all of the podcast services and aggregators of your choice, and the ones that you don't choose have us as well. So we will be all over the place. We're going to be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for listening.